from Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And here's your host, John Brown. All right, so I'll bring it in. It is now time for the Best in the World Sports Report. John Brown, my tag team partner, Mike Jones. Yes, I'm good to be here. Uh, it so, is good to have you here. That wasn't what you were expecting. Was it, it? No, it wasn't. I was I was already, you know, well, we, you know, we, we kind of come up with, you know, like a, a customized open how we normally do it. You just, you know, do a monkey wrench in that, but it's all good. I'm still glad you're here, though. Mm-hmm. Look, man, for the first time in um, pretty much ever this season, our Eagles won two in a row. Back to back, back to back wins. That's what I call. That's a winning streak, and and that's also what I like to call on this show some get right. We getting right. It was the Giants and the Redskins. It's we're five hundred. It's two wins in a row. You can only play the teams that's on the schedule, man. And our schedule had the Giants and And the Redskins. So (laughs) I'll take it. So that's get right. So the problem. See, here's the thing with get right. You know. You can only get as right as the teams that you're playing. Mm-hmm. And now what we thought a long time ago might not have been much of a daunting task is now a daunting task because all of a sudden uh, Dallas Cowboys are good. I know you don't want to say that. I know you don't want to think that. I I know that your natural instinct, because I know you. Uh, see, I'm Mike, glad. I'm glad you turned the camera off. Because uh-huh. you were recording a little early. Yeah, I was talk. a little bit early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't. I don't want the people to see my face right now. Uh, okay. I don't want anyone to be able to look at me as as I form my lips to say, "The Cowboys' defense is for real." Yeah. Those linebackers. I, I, see, I see the pain in your face. Those linebackers were everywhere against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Vander Esch is like Sean Lee without injury problems. You remember Sean Lee when he was young with the Cowboys? Yeah, he, yes. he was everywhere. Yes. You don't know why I remember him? But you would look forward to him being hurt in three weeks. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Remember Sean Lee when he was in college at Penn State and he, he, he was a likable guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember that Sean Lee. Now he's a cowboy, and I hate him. And I, you know, I, 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 I wait. I wait for Sean Lee injuries the same way Cowboys wait for Jordan Hicks injuries. I think Sean Lee may have been the only cowboy I didn't hate, but there was a reason for that. It wasn't because I liked him. It was it was because I could count on him to ruin the Cowboys' defense every year when he got hurt. Their defense would fall apart. No, once again. I, but then they went and. Did something smart and drafted linebackers this year. Well, look, before we get to that point, because I, because right now I, I think if we think if we put too much into talking about the Cowboys right now, this is going to be a very long, very painful segment. So let's get back to that. Let's let's circle back to that. Let's put that on the back burner and let's talk about this past game. Let's talk about this past week when the Eagles were triumphant on Monday Night Football against the Washington Redskins, a team that had been in first place for a couple of weeks. Did I ever tell you what the first Eagles game I went to was? No, nah, no. Nah, tell me about that. First Eagles game I went to. Mm-hmm. Ever. Ever. Okay. 
No- How old were you? It was November 12th, 1990. Are you serious? I remember the exact date. It was November 12th, 1990. Uh-huh. Now, while I'm ta- talking, I think you're probably going to go ahead and Google that game. Look it up. Because, because I think I, I, I believe I know what that game is. I, I think you might. There's a reason I referenced it as we're talking about the game we're talking about. Uh, could, could, that, could that have been? Uh, it was in Veterans Stadium. Yes, yes. Um, could, could that have been the body bag game? It was. It, your first football game. My was the first football game. Your first game. ever game was the body bag first game. First game I ever went to. My 12th birthday. Monday night, November 12th. Veteran Stadium. Mm-hmm. My uncle got box seats for me and oh, my cousins. Oh. And we were in the vet. That's a, oh, that's and a the, good uncle right there. And the building was rocking. I bet. I bet. Oh, man, the vet was so awesome. It was like 13 Redskins players that got hurt that yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Brian Mitchell, a running back, ended up playing quarterback. Brian Mitchell's the only quarter, only Redskins quarterback I would take over Colin Kaepernick. And We're, we're, we're not going to get into that too much this, this show. Uh, we argued it a little bit on uh, Agree to Disagree. Make sure you download that podcast. and Make sure you listen to it on uh, Free Agent Radio and SeattleHipHopRadio.com and uh, download that podcast. But you'll hear us Agree to Disagree on that on other shows. Right now, I'll just put it out there that Brian Mitchell is the best uh, <laughs> Redskins quarterback of my lifetime. <laughs> but yeah, that game pops in my head yeah. because by the end of the game, they were down to emergency quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Brian Mitchell. Which is essentially the situation the Redskins are in now. Yes. Colt McCoy, done for the year. Donzo. Fractured fibula, I believe it was. Alex Smith, he's got a couple fractures in his leg, I believe. He he might not be back. He might not be back. Yeah. Hope it, it, you know, like, I I guess sometimes, like, I don't know why, but I guess we're just at that age now when players end their career, I just automatically think they're just going to go to the booth somewhere, <laughs> you know, and, and that doesn't, you know, that's not everybody, it's not. you know, people find other jobs, people find other things to do, but I just always assume that when an NFL player's career ends, he's in the booth, he's in the booth somewhere, he's going to be on TV somewhere. And Make his ESPN rounds yeah, or yeah, something you know, like that. And hopefully, maybe he'll get it. Maybe they'll put Alex Smith in the Monday night booth so they can get rid of Jason, Jason Witten. Witten. Oh, and my, his bad toupee. Oh, my God. Dude is horrible. And I try not to. And here's the thing. There is there a bigger example of a corporation overthinking something simple than Monday night football? Here's the thing. Monday night football is not Thursday night football. And and I say that to and I say that because more more times than not, and especially more times than Thursday, mm-hmm. the Monday night game is still a good game. Yeah, they're not yeah. always good games. There are some dogs, but they're usually good games. But they're usually good games. You I, I will put it to, I, I would even I would even venture to say the good bad ratio for Monday night games is the complete opposite of good bad ratio for Thursday night games. Where Thursday night games are mostly slop, but every now and then you'll get a good game. Where on Monday, they're usually good, but every now and then you'll get a dog. 
That's fair. That's fair? That sounds you, fair. You, you with I'm me get, on this? I'm with you on that. Okay. Nonetheless, it's like it's football. It's Monday night football. It's a tradition, you know, un, it's it's the masters of weekly sports. A tradition <laughs> like no other. It's Monday night football. You don't need bells and whistles for Monday night football. You don't need that stupid booger mobile. Booger McFarlane is fine, other than the fact that he's a grown-ass man named Booger. Well, let's see. I'm not a Booger fan to begin with. I, well, you know what? How about I don't you? know what it is, but it's just something about him I find annoying. He's a grown man named Booger. That could be it. Unless, unless, I'm, unless I'm going to watch Revenge of the Nerds, I don't need to see no man named Booger. <laughs> It's a grown man, but nonetheless, and maybe that's just a testament to how bad Jason Witten is that I don't mind Booger McFarlane. I think Booger McFarlane's not, I think I think he's fine, and maybe that's because he's on the same team as Jason Witten, who's god-awful. Well, let's, see, let's be honest. I was so busy trying to figure out if Jason Witten really thought he was fooling anyone with the toupee that he was wearing. That I kind of blocked out all the things he was saying. Every now and then, I would catch a clip of him sometimes, talking about himself. Sometimes people and just he did. Sometimes but, people just say so many stupid things that it, that it just becomes impossible to ignore. That's and I, true, and that is Jason Witten. And once again, it just shows. He has first of all, you got Jason Witten. You got that dude. I don't even know who that that play by play guy is. What was wrong with Sean McDonough? Sean McDonough was fine. If I had to guess, it was probably just part of the ESPN salary trend that they went through over the last year or so. Here's the thing. It's like, look, you know what? You're overthinking it. You got the stupid booger mobile. You got the play-by-play guy. I don't even know who he is. And then you got Jason Witten, who's terrible. He's terrible. Just ruin you know what Monday Night Football has become the hey Jason Witten sucks tour. And it just go <laughs> and it just stops in different cities every week. And it's like it's like different fan bases get to finally experience how bad of a commentator Jason Witten is. Because you don't realize how bad of a com- you don't realize how bad a commentator is until he's calling your game. You and know. he's calling your team. Like You're right, he is bad. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this. Okay. I never complain about commentators on Monday Night Football anymore. Why? Dennis Miller. Mm. Now, that is true. That's but They gave the, us Dennis Miller on Monday Night Football. That's once again reinvented. That's them overthinking it. So There was nothing. Point, there was, it was, like, I guess, I, 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 my football fandom, my football knowledge, I feel like I came in at the end, the very end of Cosell. Okay. Like I, I was too young to really appreciate Cosell. Like I knew who he was. I understood he was a legend. I, you know, I understood the, you know, who he was and what he, you know, what he was for Monday Night Football. But you know, I, it's like if you, I, I could not tell you a Howard Cosell call that I remember watching. You know, mm-hmm. but. To me, Al Michaels was fine. You know, Al, I think 
for me, it was, when, when it was out, when, when it was out, Michaels and John Madden. I liked Madden and Summerall. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Madden. Madden well, Madden and Summerall. You know, that's of that's course, the ultimate. Of course, though, the fun part about Madden and Summerall mm-hmm. was that if you really paid attention throughout the course of the game, mm-hmm. you could hear their skills devolving, mm-hmm. so that by the fourth quarter, you you kind of got that hit that hmm. They probably weren't drinking water while they were calling this game. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, the thing I, one thing I always, be hilarious. one thing I, I remember, like, I, I lived in Baltimore for 14 years, mm-hmm. including college. Four years of college and 10 years afterwards. So I remember I was there for the birth of the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. Baltimore is. Baltimore as a city and as a fan base, it's very unique. You know, and you know, I guess you know this story is just coming to me too fast, too fast that I can't figure out the best way to describe Baltimore fans. But nonetheless, it's like they are particular about their football, in the sense that they went without football for so long that mm-hmm. when they finally had it, it's like, look, this is ours. Nobody is going to take this away from us. So it's like you know they. They're they're picky. They're 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 fickle about their football. They're very defensive about their football. And I remember one of the first, you know, being an AFC team, Mm -hmm. they just didn't get a lot of Fox games. Exactly, definitely. You know, you know, uh, Fox had the NFC when when the Ravens started. Mm -hmm. CBS had AFC. Well, at that point, yeah, no, at that point, uh, NBC still had. I think NBC still had the AFC, I believe. Or if, if they, you know what, no, well, it, it, that doesn't matter. It's irrelevant to the story. Nonetheless, Ravens got a Fox game, and it was Summerall and Madden. And at least 27 times in that game, Summerall called them the Colts. Just inadvertently, just he just called them the Colts. <laughs> and he kept doing it. He was doing it over and over and over. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there watching Baltimore fans get madder and madder and madder. You know, just, just I mean, angry. I mean, think about the type of memories he's dredging yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, I understand. Of you the know, Baltimore Colts and mm-hmm. the trucks you, leaving in the pe- middle of the night. People are treating. You would have thought Pat Summerall was 107 years old. People are just like, who is this old? You know, why is he? Like, like he's doing it on purpose to disrespect. The Baltimore fans, like I can't believe, you know, they got this old relic over here, and he's calling us the Colts. I can't believe it. It's so bad. It's so terrible. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. bad. Summerall, you know, it's it's and you know, you understand that Pat's probably, you know, he was at probably like close to the end. Yeah, you know, and 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 but it was still he, he was close to the end, but it was still it, it was like. uh Keith Jackson towards the end, where it was like, yeah, you know what, he's not what he once was. But it's still him. It's still him. And it's like, it's Summerall and Madden. Just enjoy the fact that it's Summerall and Madden. And he's calling them the Colts, and he was doing it all game long. And it was just, it was just eating at Baltimore people. <laughs> but nonetheless, Summerall is good. Madden is good. Witten is terrible. Witten is god awful. And it just and it made. What do you think of Romo? I think Romo got better. I think if we were having this conversation about Romo two years, two seasons ago, I'd have probably been giving Romo the same smoke I'm giving uh, Witten. 
But I liked uh, Romo in his first year. Uh, I thought he tried too hard. I know a lot of people were t- hard on him for his tendency to predict plays. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I think he. I think honestly, I wish he still did that more. I think he found he found what worked and he dialed it back a little bit, and I think that's what's made him a better a better uh, commentator. I I I agree. I thought he did a little bit too much, to the point where it almost seemed like he was talking down to people. Like, look how much I know. You don't know what I know, and it got a little bit annoying. But now I think he's dialed it back, and he does it more. At you know, at, let's see. I saw that a different way. Okay. Because for me, when I'm sitting there and I'm watching the game, and I see a guy that can sit there and say, "This is going to be a run right." Or this is going to be a deep slant to the left. Mm-hmm. Pre-snap without knowing the play call. That actually says a lot to me about football. And it teaches you a lot about how to watch football. Mm-hmm. Because he would exp- the thing was, he wouldn't just say run left. He'd say run left. Then you see the play run left. Mm-hmm. And then while they're setting up for the next play, he'd, ex- he'd explain to you why he saw run left. Mm-hmm. And that was the part of it that I enjoyed because I, it gave me the ability to actually learn something about the game that you don't necessarily get from commentators who cater to the casual fan more. So from that perspective, I enjoyed Tony Romo coming in and predicting plays <coughs> with a 90% accuracy rate. Mm-hmm. Witten, I and maybe part of it, was the sim- especially for this past Monday night game, part of the problem may have been the season that Zach Ertz is having mm-hmm. lended itself to comparisons against with a lot of former tight ends, Witten specifically ha- having the record for most catches by a tight end for a single season. It lent itself to – Witten having plenty of opportunity to talk about himself. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the part that bothered me the most was it was just like a Witten love fest or something. Mm, yeah. Like this is an Eagles game. What, yeah. Do you do you really think we want a Witten love fest during an Eagles game? No, not at all. I think, well, here's the Know your audience. I feel like what annoyed me a lot about just – from start to finish, I feel like a lot of it just seemed dry. Just the, the coverage. Mm-hmm. Dry and just it seemed like from every aspect, people were just, just leaning on old, old cliches, just just old narratives. It's two thousand. It's two thousand eighteen. We're a, you know less than a month away from two thousand nineteen. Eagles have a Super Bowl now. Eagles have a Super Bowl. Eagles man. have a Super Bowl now. We're the the defending Super Bowl champions. We're for playing, now. For now, <laughs> we're the defending Super Bowl champions. We're in a tight race for a division to try and get back and defend our championship. Mm-hmm. 
you should be able to find there there are so many more better narratives to find than throwing snowballs at Santa Claus, booing people all the time, jails and stadiums, cheese steaks, cheese whiz. I mean, to me, it's like at this point, why are you still talking about that at this now? I agree, but that's not something that I hold against Witten as much as I hold against media in general. And I say that because Witten is not is far from the only one who goes the oh, yeah. same route. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, when yeah. Philly has a national game. Yeah. Oh, l- l- case in point. Case in point. Uh, the pregame show on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They do a talkback segment between NBC Sports Philadelphia and NBC Sports the Washington. National, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the segment, during the segment, I think it was Tre- Trevor Maddich makes a comment about the jail in the vet. Mm-hmm. Keywords in the vet. The vet's been gone for how many years? Exactly. Uh, and here's the thing. It's like. 15 I, I, years? More. Got Maybe even more. Maybe more, yeah. Maybe more. But here's the thing. The vet had a jail when the Redskins played in D.C. <laughs> Redskins haven't played, played in D.C. in D.C. Exactly. 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 You want to talk about our jail? How about this? Our jail, The jail in our stadium was in our city. <laughs> the jail in the vet was still in Philadelphia. You get arrested at the Redskins Stadium, they got to take you to D.C. Oh, no, you're in Maryland, Jay. Exactly. You're, 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 <laughs> you're look, in Maryland, I, I, Nobody's trying to hear about the Landover Redskins. <laughs> you know, it's like, look, for real. I mean, it's like, those are that's the old narrative. Why, why are you still talking about that? And I understand that Jason Witten is, you know, I... Jason Witten is only part of the problem and not even a big part of the problem. And, and I'm not looking to make any excuses for any former Cowboys. Yeah. But this is one where I feel like he's probably got a team of researchers at ESPN who hand him, you, who hand him a stack of notes before the broadcast. Team of researchers. And it's probably all the uh, easy, obvious narrative. Who probably started the season as interns. Oh, I'm sure they're all still yeah. interns. You know, it, it's like... I guess to me, to to me, Jason Witten only heightened. It's like you're dealing. I'm hearing about jails and stadiums. I'm hearing about cheese steaks. I'm hearing about don't you know? There might only be a handful of people alive mm-hmm. who was at that game where they threw the snowballs at Santa Claus. We're not talking about my father's eagles. We're talking about my father's father's eagles. Maybe even my father's 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 eagles. You know, <laughs> honestly, who still remembers that game? What Wasn't that at Franklin Field? That wasn't even at the vet. Um, that might have been the vet. No, I don't think that was the vet. 
The snowballs of Santa's game, I think that was Franklin Field. So that was not even the stadium. That was the stadium before the stadium before the stadium. <laughs> Why are you talking to me about things that happened in Franklin Field? I don't look. You know, it's Santa then forgave me. So do you feel like as Philadelphians, we invite any of that criticism on ourselves? No, not at all. Not at all. I think it's low hanging fruit. I think it's an, at, at this point, at this point now, mm-hmm. I think it's just an easy narrative. It's an easy target. Hey, this is what we've always said about Philadelphia fans. Let's just go back to that. I think they're crazy idiot fans in every city, in every market. I think Philly fan. No, when, when I look, that's not to say that every fan in this city, everybody in this city is, you know, a knowledge. They're idiots in every, you know, we have our share of idiots. We do. There are plenty of idiots in Philadelphia. Absolutely. But they're idiots in New York. Mm -hmm. They're idiots in uh, Boston and Baltimore. They're idiots in D.C. They're idiots in Chicago. They're idiots in L.A. They're idiots in Cleveland. They're idiots in Cincinnati. They're idiots in Detroit. So at this point now, it's like, look, for real, I mean, there are certain people and there are certain fan bases now that I just feel like you can't tell me anything about crazy fans. Chicago fans being one of them. Two guys from Chicago ran out on the field and beat up a, a, a base coach in a game. Mm-hmm. That happened. That happened. Don't talk to me about throwing snow walls at Santa Claus. You can go out on you can go on YouTube any given day and watch fans from any city act crazy. Pittsburgh and San Diego. There's a video now on. There's a video and a picture on YouTube of a man choking a pregnant woman. That's true. That was a Steelers fan a choking Steelers a Chargers fan, fan choking a pregnant char a, a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked we 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 talked on we talked on agree to disagree about Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. and how bad of a look that is. Don't talk to me about throwing snowball. Don't talk to me about throwing snowballs at Santa Claus from fifty years ago. Okay. When I can watch or I can find a picture from Sunday of a crazy fan doing something way worse. I will say this though, because you're absolutely right. It's low hanging fruit and an easy narrative. Mm-hmm. But I will say there is at least a segment of our population that embraces that image of being the quote unquote tough guys and the super intense, wild, overly passionate fan. Mm-hmm. There is at least a portion of our fan base that likes that reputation mm-hmm. and you lived outside of philadelphia for a while as have i mm-hmm. when you come across philly fans especially in other cities they definitely seem to embrace or at least in my experience they definitely seemed to embrace that reputation almost like it gave them street cred in other cities mm-hmm. so for people in other cities on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. while I think it is a lazy and outdated narrative, mm-hmm. I can understand how it persists. I guess where I, dis- where I disagree with you, 
partly is I feel like yes, there are fans that that em- embrace that reputation and the connotation that the Philly fans are these diehard, passionate people. Mm-hmm. Even maybe to the point of overpassionate, but I think how you define what you know what you define as overly passionate. Like I don't think that you're going to find I'll put I'll put it to you like this. If there was a picture or a video or some image mm-hmm. of an Eagles fan, a male Eagles fan choking a pregnant fan from another team, I don't think that you would see a lot of people embracing that. Oh, absolutely not. You know, I, I'm, but, but I was. But but, uh, uh, hold on. Mm-hmm. Let, let me make this point because I, I do want to hear what you have to say. I feel like I think that that imagery is, for the most part, shunned, looked frowned upon, rejected, whatever. You know, whatever whatever term you wanna you wanna say It's like, hey man, look, you out here hitting a woman that that ain't cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably the general consensus. But I feel like people would try, people would more easily try to attribute that to Philly fans than most other fans. Like, you see this in, you see this, you see this image. Mm -hmm. A man choking a pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Absolutely terrible. That's awful. That's terrible. That shouldn't happen. That man should be arrested. This, you know, there should be some consequences. You take that Steelers jersey off. You put an Eagles jersey on that person. What are they saying? What What are people saying? Oh, that's Philly fans for you. There goes those crazy Philly fans. And you're like, no, that's not Philly fans. That's an idiot. And that's an idiot you could find anywhere. You know, it's like that, you know, when people try to make those types of connections, that's what I have a problem with. Okay, but, and I can see that, let's be clear, there are a lot of things well short of choking a pregnant woman that qualify as bad behavior from fans. Okay. And so we don't have to necessarily go all the way to that extreme, mm-hmm. that example. Mm-hmm. To say a fan base is a good group of people or a bad group of people, mm-hmm. and I don't want to go out and generalize an entire fan base as one or the other. Mm-hmm. But there are some fan bases I've experienced. The Raiders fan base being one, the old dog pound in Cleveland that tended to pride themselves on the reputation that came along with their fandom. Mm -hmm. Philly was one of those towns. And let's also be clear about one other thing. I shouldn't say a couple. One other thing. Mm -hmm. What Philadelphians see as standard behavior can often be construed by people in other places in this country as buffoonish. Or Wait, give, me, give me an example. Do you remember the Vi- the lead up to the Vikings game mm-hmm. 
or post Vikings game. Images, fans yelling and screaming in people's faces and things like that. And this is not me saying Vikings fans did not invite it. They came to Philly and put a jersey on the Rocky statue. You're asking for, you're instigating a, a, a notoriously passionate fan base. But certain things, you, you, you walk up into a random woman's face and just start screaming and yelling and things. That could be intimidating to someone from Minnesota. <laughs> you saying Minnesota people are wimps? No, I'm no, saying, no. I, I I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm, they I'm, tend to be a lot more polite and civil in day to day life, mm. and that that's it's a different mindset that the yeah. people have. Mm. So what may seem normal to us or acceptable to us, like oh, we're not that bad. Mm. Go to the Midwest or some parts down south of the Bible West. Bible Belt or out laid back West Coast, and see we're we're here in the Northeast part of this country. We tend to get in a little Northeast bubble, okay. and especially when it comes to sports, a lot of stuff outside of the Northeast we're not even paying much attention to. Like they don't even matter. Mm. So, and definitely. We're not spending much time paying attention to what's going on or life in the Midwest. So we may not even stop to think about how different our approach is to what they might be expecting, what they might be used to. So we'll see clips of some kid screaming at a woman from Minnesota and think, that's funny, that's not that bad. They're scared to death because they've never seen anything like that. Like, kids in Minnesota aren't running up to random people in the street and yelling and screaming in their face unless they're on meth or something. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. So it's it's different. It's different, but I think... Uh, I understand the whole... I understand where you're going, where you're coming from as far as the example I gave. I gave an example of a man choking a pregnant woman. And that's probably the most, you know, mm-hmm. as extreme as you can get. I you know I that I get, and if you dial it back a little bit, you know you get, you know, man scream just screaming in a woman's face, right? You know, mm-hmm. but what I I think I think however, that's a little more common. That's a little more common than people tend to give credit for, and I think that I think that's a little bit when you dial it back a little bit. When you dial it back from, cho- you know, the extreme of choking a pregnant woman mm-hmm. to just yelling in somebody's face, I think that brings it closer to the line. Whereas, yes, you know, did this fan by walking up to a just a complete stranger and yelling in her face was that crossing the line? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you'll see. I think more fan bases, not you know. More fan bases, a lot more fan bases than the Eagles will do things. Like will that. do things like that, and as and as you know, as Eagles fans might embrace mm-hmm. more of your close to the line, slightly crossing the line, willing to go, willing to cross the line, but not go as far as choking pregnant people. But, all right, you know what? What I'm saying is there is more. It is more common than people. It is more common, and honestly, if it's more common and more embraced. 
Okay. But neither of those things make it right. Okay. Common, I mean, no, I mean, common mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Embraced, I, I went back earlier saying there's some of these things I believe Philly fans embrace. Mm-hmm. Neither of those things, it, com- it being common or embraced, mm-hmm. make it a good thing to be that way. Okay, well, all right. It doesn't make well, it not the thuggish right, I, or... The, I guess the, the right and wrong of it is an, another conversation for another day. Because is it's it? Like, well... Yeah, yeah, yes, because yes, it is because it's like I'm. We're not here to say that I'm. It 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 is more about the fact that it's common. You're right. You're right in the sense that there's a difference between common and the right way to act, the right way to carry yourself. Mm -hmm. This is not about whether it's right. I where I am coming from is I'm not here to defend. I'm not here in any way to defend these people. But what I am saying is, you know what? People, people tend, people in every fan base, there are people in every fan base that embrace behavior like this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There are people in every fan base that embrace behavior like this. But yet for some people, there, there are people within other fan bases who look at the city of Philadelphia and act like this is the fact that our fans of our teams who embrace things like this are somehow worse than the fans in their own fan base who embrace who embrace behavior like that last question i have for you on the subject um as we mentioned other cities and things like that honestly how many cities outside other than philadelphia in this country, and I don't just mean in sports, but just in general, really embrace the idea or image of being a quote-unquote tough guy town the way Philadelphia does. I think every city, every sports city on the East Coast. No. Yes. Yes. I disagree. Yeah, completely. Yes, I think they do. I think they embrace it. In, I think. I, I think they. I think they do it in Boston. I think they do it in New York City. I think they do it in D.C. I think they do it in Baltimore. I think, I think they do it in all those cities, but you, I've traveled through most, if not mm-hmm. all, of those cities, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you have as well. Mm-hmm. None of them do it the way Philadelphia does. Uh, None I, of them. I, I I I don't know if I agree with that. Philly, I Philly, in my experience, mm-hmm. is and I love Philly. Mm-hmm. I love the people in Philly for mm-hmm. the way they are, mm-hmm. but. It's not something that can be handled by a lot of people from outside of the region because Philly, in my experiences, mm-hmm. has a, for a major city, a very blue-collar type of population mm-hmm. in it still mm-hmm. that you don't get in New York or Boston the I same think you way. Get, I, I think you get that in Boston. Bo- Boston a little more than New York, but... Like New York, you def- definitely don't get it the same. Okay. New York likes to think it's a tough guy. It's not the same okay. as Philly. Okay. Boston, probably closer. Mm-hmm. But Philly, Philly is special when it, when it comes to certain mm-hmm. things like that. I think Boston. I think Boston, and if you want to get away from the East Coast, I think Chicago is the same way. Chicago, I'll give you. Chicago is definitely mm-hmm. the same. way. I think way. Chicago is the same way. In fact, I, in fact, if you want to get away from the East Coast, I think Chicago is the same way. I think Detroit is the same way. I'll give you those two cities. Those are the two that think, popped in my head. Maybe even Cleveland. Nah, Cleveland, uh, not really. I think Cleveland's closer to that than uh, New York. 
I don't. Okay. I, cl- I know this is not the show, but we might just have to agree to disagree <laughs> on that one because I, I, I think that I think Boston, I think Boston fans, especially because they because of their New York bias, because just like you said that you don't feel like New York fans are like that. New York, New York is more white collar, but mm-hmm. wants to portray themselves as blue collar. I think Boston tries to be the antithesis of that so much that hey, we're so much different from them because these guys are white collar people who want to be blue collar. We're true blue collar people. We're true, you know, we're tough guys. We're tougher than these New Yorkers because we've been through more than these New Yorkers. These New Yorkers don't see pain like we see. You know, is that that's, you know, we're Boston try, you know, even though now where like the average kid now growing up in Boston sees a team from their town win almost every other year. Mm-hmm. Patriots have now won five. Red Sox have now won what four? If you're under twenty in Boston, you don't know a lot of pain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but you, if you hear it's like if you're under if you're if you're under what would you say twenty years old? Under twenty. If in you're Boston. under twenty in Boston, you don't know a lot of pain. But I bet you there are a million twenty-year-old Boston kids who want to act like they've just been such suffering fans, and we're <laughs> tough guys because you know we know pain or whatever. And it's all and all of that pain is pain their brothers told them, their dads told them, mm-hmm. their you know uncles, what whatever. You know you're sitting there on the outside looking like. Last twenty years, I've watched nothing but the Patriots win, the Red Sox win, even the Celtics have won, the Bruins have won. Meanwhile, ten, you know, it's even with like even now, and you know, with with the the few wins that our teams have gotten. Mm-hmm. My daughter's ten years old now. My oldest daughter's ten years old. In her lifetime, in her lifetime, she's seen a World Series championship. Two nat- two college national champions and, and a Super Bowl. Bowl. After me going my entire Phillies won when I, uh Phillies won when I was four. <laughs> Sixers won when I was seven. Mm. Villanova won when I was nine. Yeah. And then that, that was it. Oh, sorry. Flyers won when I was born. Flyers won in '76. Flyers won in '76. When I was when when yeah. when I was not even a month old. So that's what I got. Flyers when I was less than a month old. Phillies when I was four. Sixers when I was seven. Villanova, Villanova when I was nine. Yeah. And then that's it. My daughter's ten, and I can't get my my daughter. I can't get to watch any sports. Is now <laughs> she was born into a World Series. Se- I kid you not, not, not to, because because this is our podcast. I go on whatever tangent I want. The day she was born, Phillies played the Cubs. They lost four to three. I remember because I was in the that was a TBS game. Okay, I'm in the hospital. Wait, you know, as as my wife is in labor. Watching this game, hoping she doesn't have the she doesn't have the baby during the game. She ended up she ended up, she ended up having she ended up having the baby later on that night. <laughs> baby was uh, daughter was born around ten o'clock. This was an afternoon game. I watched the entire game in the hospital. 
They lost four to three to the Cubs. That's a, and I always tell her that story. The day was I remember the day you were born. Phillies played the Cubs. I think Brett Myers had the loss that game. <laughs> Brett Myers, whatever. But, but still, nonetheless, she's seen. You know, mm-hmm. that's what she's seen. So she doesn't know my. You know, she doesn't know my suffering. You know, and it's, it's like I remember me and my brother going to Jacksonville to see the Eagles in the Super Bowl. We didn't get tickets to the game. We just hung out in Jacksonville. You know, I didn't go to the Super Bowl. I just went to Jacksonville. But nonetheless, the fact still remains. I just think, like, like, yes, we embrace the passion. Yeah, we embrace the anger. We, you know, all of that. But I think it's more common than, than you know. And that's what makes me. That's what pisses me off about when ESPN, whatever national company, when you're covering Philly and you're going for that low hanging fruit. That's you know that's what bothers me. Now look, we didn't talked about this. There's still a game to be played on Sunday, so let's take a break and let's let's re, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the game on Sunday as the Eagles take on the Cowboys round two. And if there's actually a do the Eagles actually stand a chance now that the Cowboys are good again or goodish? They have a good defense. Not necessarily good offense, but they got Zeke, though. We'll be right back. Best in the world sports report. Once again, remember, you can tell us how you feel about this show at any time. Hit us up Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports. I'm John Brown. That's Mike Jones, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. You are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams. Go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know totalsportslive.com. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. From Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And we are back on Best in the World Sports Report. Just a reminder, you can hit us up anytime. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports. John Brown here. Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Hey, look, man. Um, That terrible ESPN broadcast just got us all out of whack. But there's still a game to be played on Sunday. There is still a game this week. Dallas Cowboys. I feel like the narrative has changed. <laughs> you watched you, that Saint, yeah, Saints game. <laughs> you watched, yeah, you watched that Saints game. So let me ask you a question. Because you watched the game just like mm-hmm. I watched the game. How much of that was Dallas being good versus just happening to catch New Orleans at the right time in the right place. 
you see you've seen what Drew Brees has been able to do all season long. Mm-hmm. Is Dallas that good? Is that Dallas defense that good? And I'm saying as a whole, not just their front, not just their front seven, but their eleven man defense that they are putting out there, is that that good that they could hold Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints to ten points? Well, they did. So. I mean, they did. It's but what I'm say saying is not that. But no, good. It, I mean, but it, it could have been an anomaly. I mean, there's, sometimes there's, there's. I mean, there teams get you know teams have hiccups. Teams have all teams nights. have teams. hiccups. But if you watched that game, mm-hmm. that wasn't Drew Brees having an off night. That was a defense playing at a very high level. That's what I was afraid. Specifically, the linebacking core. Mm-hmm. They cover sideline to sideline in a manner that allows you to not need extra DBs on the field as often. Mm-hmm. If you can cover pass plays with your linebackers, and keep an extra linebacker on the field rather than having to go to nickel or dime more often, that also leaves you more stout against the run. Mm. And that was the part that I saw in that game against the Saints from the Cowboys. Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, those guys are everywhere. And... Not this week, but before the season's over, Sean Lee should be back as well. Adding more depth to that linebacking core, assuming he could stay healthy for more than two weeks at a time. So the Cowboys offense, it is what it is. They only put up 13 points. Mm -hmm. But that defense is real. So my question is, you see what that Cowboys defense did to Drew Brees. You see what that Cowboys defense did to Drew Brees and what Drew Brees has been able to do against the entire NFC East. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees annihilated the Eagles. Same way he annihilated the Redskins. Same way he annihilated the Giants. Now, I understand that the NFC East is what, what it is. You know, it's not the juggernaut that it was. But is Dallas that much better than the rest of this this conference? That's what I'm asking. And it's like, if they can do that to the Saints, mm-hmm. what are they going to do against the Eagles at home? I see there's a part of that you're missing. Okay. Help, help me understand. They held the Saints offense to 10 points. 10 points. That being said... Eagles put up 20 against them, though. The Cowboys' offense scored how many points 13. in that game? 13. So they slowed the entire pace of the game down. Mm-hmm. It's a little different than saying we beat them 45 to 13. Mm-hmm. They have, With the running game they have, their defense playing it the way it is, if they want to slow the game down, they can do that to near anybody. But the other, the flip side of slowing a game down like that is you're one play away from losing at any moment. Mm-hmm. And 
one or two plays go differently, the Saints do beat them that game. So playing that style, that close a game, where you try to take the air out the football against the Saints, Mm -hmm. it will keep you in the game. But it also leaves you very exposed. One play at any moment, Cowboys lose. So it's it's interesting to see when teams play. If you look at when the Eagles play the Falcons over the last couple years, it's been a very similar approach every time. Low scoring, slow the game down, get a little more physical. Falcons aren't built to win playing that way. Saints aren't necessarily built to win playing that style either. But Does that make the Saints frauds? No. Okay. The Saints are better pre- equipped to do to go through a, that type of football game than the Falcons are. So, I guess so the the question that I had asked was how much of that was Dallas being good versus catching the the Saints at the right time in the right place. And now that's you, and that's where I was saying the fact that the Saints scored 10 points mm-hmm. was about Dallas being good. Mm-hmm. The fact that the Cowboys won and only scored 13, mm-hmm. that part of it, uh, not so much. And I – so – Simple answer to the question. I'd say 70% Cowboys being good. I guess because last when we last sat here to preview Eagles-Cowboys, mm-hmm. it was like I was all about being a fan. You know, I was, I was caught up in that moment because it was Dallas week. And that loss was an eye-opener. You know, it it changed the demeanor. If you remember the last show, we you know we, we was about that fan ish. We uh, you know that's what I taught for pretty much the entire show. Now I need to know. Now I want to understand. Now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, now what do we need to do? Because at this point now we cannot lose. I'm not saying we will not lose. I'm saying I don't want to. We're still in it. A loss, and then not so much. Can't lose to Dallas twice in one season. But you're sitting there and you're looking at it, and it's like, okay, there's a good chance we could lose to Dallas twice in one season. That's not a reality that I'm really trying to, you know, experience. (laughs) That's not the reality I want. So I ask you, what do the Eagles need to do? Because I've sat here and I've looked at it. I looked at an offense, a New Orleans offense that is miles ahead of this Eagles offense right now. Mm-hmm. Struggle and score 10 points. That's what happened, yeah. It was, and that was a combination of factors. Like like I mentioned before, a lot of that was based on matchups where the Cowboys linebackers were able to do a lot in the way of controlling the flow of that game. Now, that is looking at 
the NFC specifically, mm-hmm. not something I think the Cowboys will be able to do to everyone in the NFC. It's I don't think they'll be able to do that to the Rams should they play them. Well, I'm assuming the Cowboys make it to the playoffs at this point. I don't think they'd be able to do that to the Rams. I don't think they'd be able to do it to that extent to the Saints again. I think if they were to play play the Saints again, mm-hmm. their defense, I'd expect them to play well because I don't think it was a fluke. Mm-hmm. But I think you'd have to score in the 20s to win. I don't think 13 points beats the Saints again. So I do expect – I don't think this is the year where the Cowboys fall apart per se, but they're offensively challenged. So if you put them in a situation where they are required to put up 25, 24, 25 points to win, you're changing the equation and making it very difficult for them. Okay. So I'm asking you, give me a key. Who give me somebody not named Carson Wentz that you feel has to has to step up in this game. Josh Adams. Mm-hmm. And and Josh Adams and the offensive line. Okay. They, it goes hand in hand. Offensive line played a lot better. Mm-hmm. There were some hiccups on Monday. But, yeah, the offensive line has looked better mm-hmm. when we've run the ball more. Mm-hmm. And Jason Kelsey on that pull block, on that Sproles uh, run, mm-hmm. taking the dude out with one arm was inspirational. Uh, I loved it. What, what I always hear from offensive linemen is that they like run blocking because they get to go forward and hit people. Mm-hmm. Whereas pass blocking, you're almost retreating and mm-hmm. get the defense is coming to you. Run blocking, they get to go forward, hit somebody, get some momentum. And that is something, even if it's not about 150 yards a game, it's simply about getting the offensive line rolling. It's good to see them run the ball. So I say Josh Adams and the offensive line in concert. I need to see them play well. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with Josh Adams, and I also think because of this Dallas linebacking core, I'm not quite – I think they'll probably do as close a job as you can to neutralizing Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz is good. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz is playing out of his mind. You know, to steal an old sports center quote, you know, you can't stop him, you can only hope, hope to continue. <laughs> It's like that, you know. All that being said, I think if there if there was somebody who could pop possibly contain him, it's these linebackers. So somebody else has to make a play. Now we heard all week some the chatter that there were some anonymous sources within the Eagles who thought Ertz was getting targeted too, too much. much. I think that's BS. I do. I I call BS on that because I feel like the reason Earth is getting open, and you do see Carson Wentz force passes. You know, you see it. 
but very rarely do you see it. When he's forcing passes, mm-hmm. it's when he's trying to spread the ball. You know, that interception that he threw against uh, Washington in the red zone. On the slant. On the slant. Horrible, you know, horrible decision making. That was the Alshon. It was the Alshon. You know, it's not like you see him, you know, when he's, look at who, when, look at who he's targeting. When he throws his interceptions, it's rarely Ertz. It's these wide receivers, you know. I think some sometimes, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not savvy enough of an analyst <laughs> to try and say that you know stuff like that is in his head. But I think he throws the Ertz because Ertz gets open, because Ertz is a great route runner. Because Ertz is one of those guys, and I think Ertz is one of those guys that catches the ball when you put it near him. And I think Alshon, Alshon is like that to an extent, and I think you saw a lot more of the fact that Golden Tate is a guy like that as well. Now, it could simply be a matter that Carson Wentz is far more comfortable working inside the numbers than outside. Do you, his, that, do you think that's just oh, his oh, his okay. rookie? And, and oh, ahead, the sorry. reason I say that mm-hmm. is looking at his history, mm-hmm. his rookie year. Who was his favorite target? Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews. Where did Jordan Matthews work? On the inside. Last year, the Super Bowl season. Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. They work where? On the inside. This season. Aguilar struggled some. They've also been trying to use him on the outside a little bit this season. Mm-hmm. Where you have seen your production consistently all year, inside the numbers again. Goddard, when he's been out there, has done well. Mm-hmm. And Ertz is on pace for a record-setting season as a tight end. Mm-hmm. Then I'm not suggesting that Wentz is a quarterback who lacks the arm talent to throw outside the numbers. That's clearly not the case. He has the arm talent to make all the throws. Mm -hmm. Just saying he may be more comfortable working inside the numbers. Now, let me ask you a question because that's a very good point. Do you think that's part of because of the injury? Or do you think that's just what his preference is? I think it may be his preference because, as I noted, we saw that before the injury that Mm – he was all. He's always been more comfortable working inside the numbers than outside. Some of that may be who you have to throw to on the outside, but some of it just may be the player. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. So look, as we wrap this up, give me a prediction on. Some, give me a prediction. Eagles, Cowboys in Dallas. Sunday, four o'clock. It's a revenge game. So predict, so predict the score, not the time of the game. The, all these, all these are factors. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Cowboys twenty-seven. Eagles twenty-one. Mm, oh, oh. I gotta be honest. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong too. I hope I'm wrong, but I hope you're wrong too. That's the prediction as it stands right now. Well, 
Michael. I appreciate everything you bring to this show. <laughs> your objectivity, your honesty, your maturity. <laughs> I appreciate all that. It helps <laughs> it helps balance the unmitigated uncontrollable fan-ish <laughs> that consumes me. I've tried to be as objective as possible during this show. We've been on for a little over an hour. I think I've been pretty objective so far. Maybe not objective in my hate for Jason Witten because he's a terrible commentator, but as far as when we talking, you know, talking about the games, I've been pretty objective. You have. You've done well. Thank you. I appreciate that, dog. Thank you. In fact, tap me up on that one, all right? There you go. <laughs> I'm back on my fan-ish. Eagles will win on Sunday 24 to 18. 24 18. 24 to 18. How do you even get 18? What's that, six field goals? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the only kidding. We're definitely on some fan-ish now. No, no, you know what? Uh, I heard eighteen. I'm like, what? What are we even doing here? How, how do we get to that? There might, might, there might be a safety somewhere. Two point <laughs> conversion or something. Conversion. <laughs> what did I say? Twenty four eighteen is now written down in ink. In ink. All right. Look, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap things up. I, I need a minute. <laughs> I need a minute. All right, we're going to wrap things up on the Best in the World Sports Report. Hit us up anytime, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know totalsportslive.com. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spell. No, that like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pull me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. From Best in the World Sports and Total Sports Live, you are listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And we're having fun on Best in the World Sports Support, trying to figure out if these Eagles can pull out a win on Sunday. But before we get out of here, I wanted to, wanted to get your thoughts on this whole Markel Fultz issue. <laughs> this is a mess. Markel Fultz. Markel, this is a mess. Um, had you heard had you heard of thoracic outlet syndrome before this week? Actually, yes, I had. You 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 actually had heard of it. I, I never heard of that. Before. I have actually heard of it. Before. Okay. And 
But before I say anything else about Markel Fultz, okay. I want to make sure that everyone knows I'm on the record mm-hmm. as having said I did not want him before the draft. Uh-huh. People always like to say, well, you can't go back and revise the draft. Mm-hmm. No. This isn't revisionist history for me. I didn't want him before the draft. Okay. That being said, now that he's here, the Sixers need to do everything in their power to try to make this a success. Okay. It's leaning towards bust at this point, Mm -hmm. but we're not there yet. Okay. So this is a situation where I, to this point, Prior to this point in my life, mm-hmm. I literally have never wished injury on any player in any sport. Okay. I've wished they were hurt, but mm-hmm. I've never wished anyone was injured. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I am truly hoping that Markel Fultz is injured. What do you What do you mean? Where, like, and I like, say like, that, like, the, you hope this this. I truly hope there's a physical injury. Okay, because a physical injury is easier to deal with than a mental one. Mm-hmm. So, I've never hoped that any player on any level has had a physical injury prior to now. Mm-hmm. Markel Fultz, I hope it's a physical injury, mm-hmm. because if it's a mental issue. And we're still going through all of this. He, it's time to it's time to just cut the rope, let him go. Mm-hmm. If, it, however, it is a physical issue, that's something. Hopefully, with rehab treatment, he could come back back from and be the player that, or at least close to the player that we hope he would be. There's a yin and a yang to this. There's two sides of this story. There's 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 two sides of this coin. Whatever cliche you want to throw out here, mm-hmm. I have I had asked a couple of weeks ago, is it time to just move on? Because it was starting to get ridiculous. Since we've had this conversation, there has been nothing to make it less ridiculous. It's even more ridiculous. However, I felt like the issues, when we talked about it, the issue truly lent itself to patience. Mm-hmm. Team's doing fairly well. You know, right now he right now he's a bench player. You know, he's a bench player. Second unit guy. A second unit guy who is hurt. Mm-hmm. Where he's hurt, either in his shoulder or in his mind, is still up to be is that's we'll find out we'll three find to six weeks however the problem is what comes with this patience it seems like every day you're seeing a new story of the deteriorating relationship between Markel Fultz's team his you know his surrounding you know the people who are surrounding him and the team Apparently, Fultz's people were the ones who went public with this disorder. Mm -hmm. And they went public with this disorder before they contacted the team. It just seems like the team is growing 
they're going far. They're getting closer and closer to the end of their rope with this guy. Well, and with I, guess, I think they're getting closer and closer to the end of the rope with his people. Okay, than with faults. Okay, but, but here's all the, indications suggest everybody in the building loves Markel. Yeah, I I see that. They just too. may not be happy with the people around them. But the but the problem is, the problem is. They can't make him change his people. That's true. If Markel Fultz is going to change his people, Markel Fultz has to decide he needs to change his people. And it seems like Markel Fultz is cool with Markel Fultz's people. For now. You know, and but that is where that that plays a part into the patience. Where it's like, okay, it's the optics of Markel. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the baggage that surrounds Markel. The optics of Markel is he's hurt for now. He he he's hurt, but where do you see him? He's on the sideline. Well, well, I will say this: as we talk about the optics and the situation with his people, the one thing I will say is that while he does seem to be happy with his people, you're only happy with your people until you're not. He seemed quite happy with Drew Hanlon until one day, oh, what? He's not working with Drew Hanlon anymore. So it could, that could change very, very quickly. One bad experience, he realizes he got one bad piece of advice, and everything is different now. So, and in sports especially, when you hear about players being unhappy with teams or teammates and things like that, that news is usually leaked by agents and representatives who want to control narratives. Mm-hmm. Who's going to leak the story when you talk about a player being unhappy with the agent or his people? The people who are trying to control the narrative are going to do everything they can to keep a story in-house. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm, This is not me saying they're unhappy with each other. Yeah, okay. It's just saying we don't know. And at some point, it may come down to the fact that Markel Fultz does need to get new people around him. Because there's nothing I'm seeing that makes me think he's been getting good advice since he's been in the league. I agree. I agree. I completely agree. All right, look, let's pack up and let's get on out of here, man. It's been a good week, though. Yeah, it, it has been a good week. Uh, Hackstall still has a job. We're not talking hockey this week, but he still has a job. Hackstall's gone. Flyers got a new general manager. We'll talk about that another time. Eagles, Cowboys on Sunday. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, I'll I don't come back the, next week and say I was wrong. I don't have the confidence that I had the last time. I'm not, and it pains me. But look, man. We'll see. All right. Look, you guys have a great weekend. Everyone enjoy your week. If you have a question, comment, whatever, hit us up. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at BITW Sports. My name is John Brown. This is Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Remember, you can listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday morning on phillygoflow.com at 8 a.m. All right. Y'all have a great week. We out of here. Peace. Peace. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com.